It is time for us to begin our midday program brought to you by Divinity Motors here on KRVN on a chilly, blustery sort of day across the state of Nebraska once again and uh, some snow in the northern part of the state, uh, certainly in the panhandle, but we will uh, see what that means for the rest of us. Scott in here with you along with our probables are Jason Jorgensen and he is here, Susan Littlefield also and uh, Susan, what's it doing your part of the state right now? Just raining. Yeah, yeah. That's that's about what we're, but we're seeing and about what we're expected for those areas anyway. Would and you, I'm okay with that. Yeah, that's all we need. And then to dry up quickly so we can get right back to harvesting. I think. There we go. What do you got for us today? Well, kick it all, all off at twelve nineteen. The angler journey continues as we hear from Eli Wolf. A number of experiences recognize the importance of following his own entrepreneur path so that'll be interesting as we hear what happens there then at 12:45, bryce had the chance to speak with zippy duval earlier today he's speaking at a conference in lincoln so they'll be talking about some of the current trade situations going on and then coming up at 117 we know that there was the signed agreement with japan we're going to find out more what the national cattlemen's beef association thinks about this deal as we get that from clay Okay, that was a pretty big deal, so I'll be, I'll be curious to hear what they have to say. Of course, WASD came out, too, and uh, so hmm, lots to talk just, about. Just a quiet Thursday. Just a, just a nice quiet Thursday. Thank you very much, Susan. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you. We turn it over to Jason, and I said to you uh, earlier, I, I, feel, I kind of feel bad for Clayton Kershaw. It just has not been a lot of fun for him uh, in the postseason. No, and uh, a lot of memes about him on social media today. <laughs> oh, I bet. Back-to-back. On this, on pitches, same pitch, one, one, two hang hung sliders. Ah, Tough anyway. day to be a Dodgers fan. Yeah, it is. One hundred six wins. wins. Regular season doesn't do you a lot of good if you can't win three in the first round of the playoffs. That's but true. There's always next year. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the mantra of all of us. Right, 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 right. <laughs> so uh, we'll touch on what took place. Another game five tonight between Houston and upstart Tampa Bay. Yeah. If you're the Astros, you have to feel good. You have Garrett Cole. He's won 17 straight decisions. Yeah, but it's hey, the Cardinal. It's Cardinals and and you know over the Cardinals and Nats. So go figure. It's a weird one. Also, we'll talk some Husker football today. Scott Frost announced that uh, Adrian Martinez and J.D. Spielman will make the trip to Minnesota. They didn't make any other further declarations other than those two will. Uh, be on the plane up to the Twin Cities when Nebraska will battle Minnesota on Saturday night, so we'll talk all about that. Those guys keep their injury cards uh, tight to their chest, don't they? they don't well, Coach Frost, he learned from the best. Bill Snyder there at K-State when Scott was a member yeah. of that staff. Yeah, there you go. Very good. All right, we turn it over to uh, Dave Schroeder in here for business, and uh, markets up right now. The hopes of the 13th trade talk is the one that works. Absolutely. Investors are waiting to see whether the U.S.-China negotiations make any progress to end the ongoing trade war today. Also, for uh, retirees, retirees will get a modest 1.6% cost of living increase for 2020. So that's coming up. And Delta Airlines is reporting better-than-expected profits uh, for the third quarter, uh, partly because of fuel prices falling. So a couple of things coming up in our business report. All right, that's all coming up on Midday. 
Time for us to check in on our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. And Paul Perkins in here with us. You know, there's nothing I like to talk about more than the diversity of temperatures across the state of Nebraska. This is really something today. We've got uh, I got 19 degrees right now in Pine Bluff, 67 in Fall City. Yeah, it's very uh, <laughs> unbelievable as far as these temperatures go across the area today. And, of course, it's snowing. Yeah, in the Nebraska Panhandle currently, and they've and we've also had quite a bit of rain into eastern areas uh-huh. of Nebraska. Upwards of two inches of rain being reported towards Weeping Water in the eastern part of the state, also towards Papillion and Gretna. So, uh, some heavy rain amounts there, and some heavy snowfall amounts in the Nebraska Panhandle. Nine inches to the mm. southwest of Chandron, and many locations around Chandron seen about seven inches of snow. But much of the Panhandle so far about two to six inches of snow. But that snow continues to fall there. Wow, another another interesting day for weather. Exactly, for sure. yeah. Very powerful storm system across the area, as Scott mentioned. Temperatures uh, wide. Uh, uh, varying quite a bit across the area. We're at 70 in Topeka, and yeah, in some low 20s as you enter to the Nebraska Panhandle for the most part. Most of us with temperatures in the 30s, but we do have some 40s still in the eastern areas of Nebraska, north of Omaha, down to about the Hebron area and Beatrice, but as warm as 67 in the Fall City area. Temperatures over Kansas, mainly in the 30s in the west and central, but then some 40s to low 50s on into central and eastern areas and up to 70 once again in the Topeka area. We do have some light rain and some light mist over northern north central areas of Nebraska, uh, probably falling some with some snowflakes into north central areas of Nebraska, but most of us seeing a little bit of mist across the area, some light rain also being reported in eastern Nebraska, Columbus down to Omaha to just north of Nebraska City. That bulk of the snow though in the Nebraska Panhandle currently from about Shadron down to Oshkosh, but the snow is starting to let up in some of those areas. In behind a strong cold front, light drizzle and a wintry mix remain possible for most of, most of us today. As strong high pressure approaches and strong low pressure departs, our winds will remain strong out of the north and northwest all the way through tomorrow. The wind not going away anytime soon. With cold air filtering in behind this front, temperatures today remaining steady or dropping before we see our first killing freeze in most areas for tonight. Make sure you get those garden hoses un- uh, unattached or unhooked because yeah. a lot of people probably this is slipping their mind it was just so nice a few days ago then we had rain and uh, a lot of people also probably not thinking about draining their sprinklers because we're going to see uh, these temperatures get down into the 20s several nights in a row and stay down in the 20s in fact you know central nebraska is in a freeze warning all the way until early tomorrow afternoon wow. so that shows you how cold this cold air is Wind chills tomorrow morning as low as the upper single digits to low teens. A light wintry mix tonight, expected to switch over to some light snow before some clearing later on. Any snow accumulations expected to range from a dusting to less than an inch. Any icing will be light at best. Luckily, the ground is still warm, so a lot of this not going to stick around long. That better chance of accumulating snow, though, from north central to northwest Nebraska. Tomorrow through the middle of next week, mostly dry. Our temperatures will gradually, and I mean very gradually, warm to near seasonal here. In our latest long-term forecast, Nebraska and Kansas temperatures start seasonal to cooler than normal the middle part of next week. Slightly above normal temperatures are indicated by next weekend through October 23rd. The outlook is drier than normal for Nebraska and Kansas the middle of next week. Slightly above normal rainfall is indicated by next weekend through the 23rd. 
In the regional drought monitor, Nebraska continues to be completely drought-free. Kansas at 81% drought-free with abnormal dryness to some moderate drought still over the southwest. Weather factors affecting the markets include crop damage and harvest disruption from a central U.S. winter storm and varying rain chances in Brazil. A powerful early season storm will continue to affect the north central U.S., delivering heavy snow, high winds, and unseasonably cold temperatures. Snowfall expected to exceed three feet in central and eastern North Dakota. And that's not just a drifts, that is snowfall. For the northern plains, the storm disrupting the harvest along with causing crop damage. Wet conditions in the western Midwest, unfavorable for maturing crops. The eastern Midwest areas will have showers that offer some soil moisture benefit but disrupt the harvest. Cold air behind the storm resulting in growing season ending freezes in most areas along the northwest of the line from the Texas northern panhandle to Lake Michigan, including the northwest half of the Corn Belt. Chilly conditions will persist into next week across the northern plains and Midwest. Brazil continues to need more rain to begin widespread soybean planting. North central and far southern Brazil will have the best rain chances during the next week. The planting, though, for soybeans likely to remain behind average due to inconsistent rainfall. Okay. Well, you know, I I got caught once with that forgetting to unhook my hose from the the spigot there, and that was that. The results were not good. Yes, uh, <laughs> it, it can cause a big mess the next time you use that garden hose. Yeah, definitely, definitely did. So, well, all right. Thank you. So we'll we'll just kind of keep an eye on this, but to, as we get past this, it is going to dry up and warm up a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. Temperatures expected to be in the fifties for much of us over the weekend. All right. Well, gradually we'll get there. We'll get that done. All right. Thank you. Uh, you can check weather anytime by going where? KRVN.com. Thank you, Paul. The Angler Entrepreneurship Journey. Celebrating success, embracing failure, and inspiring the entrepreneur inside of you. We've talked a lot about following your own path, but that doesn't mean you're by yourself. That doesn't mean you're doing it by yourself. Thanks so much for joining. Eli Wolf has realized the importance of paving his own entrepreneurial path. He was raised on his family's dairy operation near Kearney, Nebraska. At a young age, Eli's concept of entrepreneurship was really just normal in his family. My dad owns his own business and moved halfway across the country. So that's very entrepreneurial. But in my head, that was just kind of normal. Fast forward to when Eli was ready to begin his college journey. Normal was not what Eli wanted to be. So he entered the angler program his freshman year. I came to Nebraska for the angler program. Just because I knew that I didn't know if I was going to be able to just go through the flow in college and be, like, okay with it. So at that point, I knew I wanted something different. I didn't necessarily know that it was going to be, like, entrepreneurship. During Eli's first year in the Angler program, he decided to start a clothing business called Sway. The business was doing well, but he made the decision to close last fall. He realized it wasn't part of his path. Like, I realized that I really loved doing it. But, like, what I envisioned the business to be was not what it was becoming. And, like, by that time I was thinking, like, why did I come in, like, thinking I wanted to be like all those other people? I mean, it just looked really cool what they were doing. So, obviously, a little freshman that doesn't quite know what they want would see that and say, that's how what I need to be. But that's wrong. I mean, that's not what it should be like. Everyone will say that, yeah, you should follow your own path, but really there's not very many people that fully understand that, and I mean, I still don't fully understand that, but I'm working towards that. 
So after he discontinued his business, he decided he wanted to experience life in New York City. After all, it was his end goal to move out of the state. So he applied for numerous internships in the city that never sleeps. But unfortunately, he didn't land any of those positions. So he decided to go back to his family's dairy farm. I mean, I just had a lot of time for like, I guess, self-reflection. And so I'm not sure even how I came to the terms with it. But like, I just kind of started thinking about like, are all these like aspirations that I've thought I've had or are they actually mine or is it what society is essentially telling me to do and so I mean I'm still questioning myself on that I'm still trying to figure it out but I don't know if that necessarily ties with entrepreneurship but it kind of ties to like seeking your purpose in life I mean regardless if you think like you actually have a purpose or not you should still do what your heart tells you to do and so I've been trying to work on blocking out all the voices so like social media is a big one you don't think that other people are telling you what you should do, but in all reality, if you look at it, I guarantee there's a ton of influence going into mm. what you want to do in your life. With Eli's new perspective on his purpose and his path, he says even if he doesn't own a business in the future, entrepreneurship will still be his foundation. If you're an entrepreneur, but you're working for somebody else, it's like intrapreneurship, internal, and companies really, really like for that to happen because all the innovation is happening within their walls so they're gaining a lot more so they're compensating people a lot more to think like that and so i mean it boils down to like are you pursuing something bigger than yourself and you can do that while working for somebody else you can do that with doing anything you can learn more about the angler agribusiness entrepreneurship program at the university of nebraska lincoln by visiting angler.unl.edu thanks so much for joining i'm alex wachowski on the rural radio network Time for us to take a look at sports and Jason in here in studio. And, you know, I think one of the things that all of us were impressed by when we watched the Northwestern game is that Noah Vedral, when he got in there and he's told everybody this, I'd be ready to go, but he looked the part. Did a nice job, did what he was supposed to do. Yep, that's all he needed to uh, do. Made the big pass, got the Huskers in a field goal range, and of course the rest is history. Now it remains up in the air if he has to play or start on Saturday against Minnesota. But offensive line coach Greg Austin says if Veteral has to play again, the Huskers are in good shape. As much confidence in Noah as anybody, and uh, I'm excited about watching him go out there and compete. He's the ultimate competitor. He's one of my favorite guys on the team. And, you know, our relationship started down there in Florida, you know, and I was happy to see him come here when we made the transition. Now, after practice today, head coach Scott Frost announced that Adrian Martinez and J.D. Spielman will make the trip to Minnesota. Mm-hmm. So we don't know if that means how much they will play. But Did did Austin happen to mention anything about whether or not uh, they practice snapping the ball? No. Okay, so, just checking. I'm, I'm right, sure they have. Maybe. <laughs> MIAA released the men's and women's basketball preseason media coaches poll yesterday. That was in conjunction with Media Day. Returning virtually its entire roster plus a graduate transfer and five freshmen, Loper women were tabbed sixth in both polls. Defending champion Fort Hay State is the preseason pick. The Loper men, who returned three starters, are picked 13th. Coach Kevin Lofton says the Lopers could get some help this year from newcomer from overseas. Matt Green from uh, New Zealand, uh, really, really great kid, great attitude, great work ethic, and has, has really brought, he brings a little toughness to our team. Uh, he brings a little headiness. Defending national champion Northwest Missouri, who's coming off a 38-0 season, is the preseason favorite at 
been an investigation if they hadn't been the preseason favorite there. <laughs> yeah. Tri City Storm, they're 0 3 this year. They'll try to change that tonight. They're back at home. They'll take on Sioux Falls at 7 05. And a day after, two National League Division Series ended with Game 5s. Another will close out in the American League tonight with Houston against Tampa Bay. Astros ace Garrett Cole takes a franchise record 17th straight decision winning streak into his start tonight. Cole is 17-0, believe it or not, at 23 starts since a May 22nd loss of all people to the Chicago White Sox. Jeez, that's embarrassing. That includes an outstanding outing and a 3-1 win in Game 2 over the Rays, in which he struck out 15. I have to like the Astros in this one, but boy, it'd be a whole lot better story if Tampa Bay won. But you know Major League Baseball, who they want to win. Oh, well, it's yeah. It's not the Rays. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> that's for sure. Also in uh, Major League Baseball news, the Phillies have fired manager Gabe Kepler. They kept him uh, hanging on the uh, plank for two weeks before they let him go. Was he the guy from Welcome Back, Carter? I no, that was Gabe so. Kaplan. Yeah, that yeah. was Gabe Kaplan. Okay. Right. That is a look at sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Thanks, Jason. Time for us to take a look at news. Austin Jacobson in here once again with us. And, uh, boy, it's a little, little snowy. Oh, there. yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can't. Can't complain too much. We had pretty decent weather throughout, you know, middle of September all the mm-hmm. way to the end. But you don't want this type of weather right now. It, I mean, it's, it's too soon. It seems a little early for it. Luckily, we're not getting any of it in central Nebraska or northern Kansas, any of that stuff. But for our folks out on the Panhandle, and it's going to get cold. So, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, a little frost on the pumpkin today, for sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. All right. Well, taking a look at our news now, a former financial controller of an Omaha business has been given a year and a day in prison for not paying federal withholding taxes. U.S. District Court records say 53-year-old Raleigh Bennett was sentenced Friday. The Omaha World Herald reports that Bennett was controller for Diesel Power Equipment Company when he didn't pay the withholding in 2013 and 2014. Now, the University of Nebraska at Kearney cut the ribbon on the new $7.8 million Planbeck Early Childhood Education Center. Tuesday. The center, located southwest of UNK's campus along Highway 30, is the first academic building in the new University Village. Chancellor Doug Christensen believes that the new education center will be a benefit not only to UNK's campus and students, but also to the Kearney community. Well, I think we're going to be able to help some of those students who are at-risk students. We've saved spots for them to go through this program. And so as we begin to look for scholarships or stipends to help them pay for their education here, uh, I think we're going to really enhance the community of Kearney uh, by being a first-class early education center. The Plombeck Center will open November 4th and features 11 classrooms to, pr- to provide early education. Now, powerful winter storm is moving through the Great Plains and closing schools and causing travel headaches in multiple states. Uh, winter storm warnings and watches are stretching from Wyoming and Montana through western Nebraska and into the Dakotas and Minnesota. Forecasters are warning the storm is packing strong winds and double-digit snowfall totals, along with blizzard-like conditions through Friday. In South Dakota, where snow was beginning to accumulate Thursday, Day, dozens of school districts canceled classes or started late. The National Weather Service in Bismarck, North Dakota, said a potentially historic October winter storm was in the making. Forecasters predicted one foot of snow or more for parts of the Dakotas through Friday. The snowstorm left 32,000 without power in Washington state Wednesday. 
Forecasters say a flash drought is intensifying across the southern United States. A new, re- a new report out Thursday shows that severe and extreme drought conditions are spreading into more parts of the south. And the U.S. Drought Monitor report also shows that nearly 56 million people in parts of 16 states are now living in some type of drought conditions. The drought has drained ponds, hurt crops, and worried farmers across several southern states. Now farmers are concerned about the long-term outlook as late October is typically typically among the driest periods in the South. Out of Kozad, the Nebraska Chamber of Commerce and Industry held a legislative forum in Kozad on Friday to discuss the recent legislative session and the blueprint Nebraska's strategic planning process. Gothenburg Senator Matt Williams tells the Rural Radio Network what issues could could rise to the top in the 2020 legislative session. It's a replacement of uh, Nebraska Advantage that we have... uh, the tools in the toolkit necessary to recruit and expand our industrial base in our state. So I think it's important that we have that opportunity. And then beyond that, I think we have to continue working on the property tax issue that we have here. We have an imbalance right now that our property tax payers are, are uh, paying a substantial part of the load for uh, uh, not just schools, but everything else. So I think those are issues that I will be uh, working on and I'm committed to finding solutions. Now, Holly Salmi, Vice President of Communications and Policy for the Nebraska Chamber, says Blueprint Nebraska gathered feedback from across the state, and it was learned from the feedback the state should play to its strengths, people, land, and location. The report says the state needs to build on that through research and development and building productivity and innovation. All right. Thank you, man. Way to get us all caught up on stuff. The leader of the American Farm Bureau pays a visit to the Cornhusker State. Good afternoon to you on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Bryce Duskett reporting. Zippy Duvall has served as president of the American Farm Bureau Federation since January of 2016. A native of Georgia, Duvall previously served for nine years as president of the Georgia Farm Bureau. He's in Lincoln this week for What's on the Horizon for International Trade Summit, which is presented by the Clayton Yider Institute of International Trade and Finance at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln in cooperation with the Nebraska Farm Bureau. I asked him first about his relationship with the top USDA official, Secretary Sonny Perdue. Yeah, uh, Secretary and I became very good friends when I was president of Georgia Farm Bureau and he was governor of our state. Uh, and we worked real hard together to try to make agriculture in Georgia more profitable and uh, because it is the largest industry there. So to have him in Washington uh, and really as a teammate working for farmers, uh, both for our job is to try to shape policy and we give him our policy and know which direction our farmers think we need to go in. And of course we don't get everything we want, uh, but he, uh, uh, it's very nice to have a friend there to usually lend you that ear. As the conference he is speaking at today focuses on trade, I asked him the overall situation that is estimated to cost Nebraska farmers and ranchers up to a billion dollars this year. Well, I think that the trade situation is a lot better than what our people want to paint it. Of course, in particular areas, it's worse than, than what we'd like for it to be. But if you look at what this administration has done, they renegotiated Korea real quickly, did no harm to our agricultural piece in it. We asked them when they decided to renegotiate NAFTA to do no harm to agriculture, and we actually did no harm in USMCA, but actually done better. Uh, so now our focus is to get it passed through Congress. We just signed an agreement with Japan. 
gave us everything that we would have had in TPP. Uh, and they're going to have a second round of that. Hopefully we can grow that. Uh, so if you look at what's happening and the other discussions that they're having around the world, China coming back to the table, it's really a lot more positive than what people want to paint it. Of course, I don't want to make light of the situation in farmland. I know how desperate it is and how difficult it is. But everybody, mostly all the farmers, realize that the China situation has been growing, going on for years and years and years, and there needs to be a fix to that. And so short-term game and what short it is, I don't know. Uh, for long-term, uh, short-term suffering, for long-term gain will be, is what we're all looking for. The leader of the Farm Bureau is frequently attending events and press conferences with President Donald Trump. I asked Duvall about the relationship between the Farm Bureau and the President, and if it is traditionally this strong. Well, of course, I wasn't here, so I can't answer that personally, but according to staff and people around town, says they've never seen a relationship between a President in agriculture and the President of American Farm Bureau as strong as it is. Uh, we're very appreciative of that. I look at it as, as, as heyday. Uh, we got a president that loves farmers. He comes from New York. We don't know why he loves us, but he does. So, you know, the sun's shining. Let's make hay. Let's fix some problems that have, have faced agriculture for years and set it up for to be uh, brighter in the future. And and I think we're moving and uh, making things move in a lot of different areas because of relationships. But, you know, uh, when you get 63 years old, you realize that you never accomplish anything in life without a relationship, regardless of whether it's business as personal or spiritual. Back on the trade front, the U.S., Canada, and Mexico agreement has been signed by the leaders of the three countries. Next, the administration will send to lawmakers a draft of the impeding legislation, which will trigger a 60-day deadline on House consideration of the agreement. President Trump has indicated he will do so as soon as Democratic support in the House has been secured. Duvall thinks that could happen before the end of the year. We feel pretty confident. Of course, something could happen in a tweet this afternoon to derail it. But uh, this administration, through Mr. Lighthizer, has worked real hard with the Democrats on the House side to find some common ground. The Speaker, I take my hat off to her, she appointed her working group. Some of them are visiting Mexico this week or just getting back from Mexico. So they're working real hard to find common ground. What we need as farmers is a, a real strong bipartisan vote. That's what the Speaker needs to. We need to show the world that Democrats and Republicans support uh, farmers and USMCA, and we need to vote kind of like what we got in the Farm Bill, and if we do that, it would be a great win for us. Outside of trade issues, Duvall says the Farm Bureau continues to work on countless other topics that are important to Farm Bureau members. Yeah, you know, we, we, we're in a lot of areas. Of course, we were in the middle of tax reform, did some positive things there, but right now it's farm labor. Uh, we're working real hard to try to find some solution to farm labor, and in that we got to, it's got to be affordable. It's got to uh, fix the needs of year-round usage for farmers, and, and it also has to have adjustment of status for the great experienced workers that are working in agriculture today. And then, of course, broadband. Uh, rural America needs and deserves broadband. Uh, not just for farmers in the field to take uh, advantage of uh, technologies, but for our health care, for our children's education, and for the ability to bring our young people back to our rural communities to keep rural America alive and thriving, because they won't return if broadband's not there. Uh, you know, and the list just goes on on re regulation. Uh, uh, we're working on endangered species. We've done a lot of work around RFS. I mean, we're, we've got uh, the farmers 
voice at every table on every issue. And that's what this administration has promised us, and we're trying to make hay while the sun's shining. That's American Farm Bureau Federation President Zippy Duvall. I'm Bryce Duskett reporting on the Rural Radio Network. Time for us to take a look at the business world, see what's going on today. A lot of talk about uh, the WASDE and some of the things in uh, in stock market. Let's uh, take a look at the world markets, though, just to get things going. Everybody in the green right now. The, the Asian markets both up. Uh, the Japanese Nikkei was up 96. Hong Kong's Hang Seng was up 18. In uh, the FTSE in London was up 19, and the DAX index up 69. Here in the United States, the Dow Jones Industrial Average up 161 points at 26,507. The NASDAQ is up 39, and the S&P is up 19. For more on that, we go to Dave Schroeder. Indeed, stocks are rising on trading as traders hope for progress in the latest round of U.S.-China trade talks getting underway in Washington. President Donald Trump said he would meet with the head of China's negotiating team at the White House tomorrow. Overall, consumer prices were unchanged in September as a big decline in energy costs offset small gains in other areas. The Labor Department says the flat reading in its consumer price index for September followed a tiny 0.1% August increase and left prices over the past 12 months rising at a modest annual rate of 1.7%. Social Security says millions of retirees will get a modest 1.6% cost of living increase in 2020. That comes to about $24 more a month than the average retired worker. The news could have political consequences in an election year when Democrats are pushing for more generous inflation protection, along with better benefits overall. Seniors and advocates complain, though, that the inflation yardstick used to determine the annual adjustment doesn't adequately reflect their costs, uh, mainly for health care, of course. The largest U.S. utility has turned power back on for nearly a fifth of the nearly 2 million people who lost power in California over a two-day span in a deliberate move to prevent its equipment from sparking. So some good news there. And finally, uh, the world's largest 3D printer and the largest object ever printed have been unveiled at the University of Maine. The university showed off a 25-foot 5,000-pound boat that researchers think is just the beginning of the type of product that companies can bring to the market faster with 3D uh, printing. Did did the boat float? Do we know? Is it uh, well? They didn't say. Okay. That's something to check in on. Well, I think that's a key uh, key thing a boat should do is uh, should float. Yeah, so, I, so. I don't think they can get it in a bottle either. So <laughs> probably not. All right, thank you, Dave. Hirsch of Red Cloud is the big winner of the Bringing It Home Ram Pickup. Well, thank you very much. Uh, this was a good break. We needed needed a little break, and this, this right here definitely works. Relive all the fun at KRVN.com. Thanks to all the sponsors. Uh, I'm very grateful to everybody that chipped in and made this possible. I mean, this... This, this is awesome. This, this is really, really awesome. Thanks to everyone who registered this summer and be listening for more chances to win on KRVM. Last week, the U.S. cattle industry realized an objective that we have been working on for years, and that is a level playing field and competitive access to our largest export market in Japan. This, this is not the kind of achievement that just happens overnight. This is 
This is the product of, of years of discussions and back and forth and advocacy and education efforts. That's Ethan Lane, Government Relations Director for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association and how he characterized the trade deal with Japan in a conference call with reporters earlier today. I'm Clay Patton, and you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. The trade deal recently signed with Japan will continue to help grow U.S. beef's foothold in the Asian nation. Under the agreement beginning January 1st, the tariff currently in place against U.S. beef at 38.5% will drop to 26.6%. Then at the beginning of the Japanese fiscal year in April, the tariff will drop again. Currently, the Japanese market makes up about a quarter of U.S. beef export business at a value of $2 billion, according to NCBA. Senior Director of International Trade Kent Backus showcases just how far U.S. trade has come in Japan in recent years. Just to put this in perspective, with where we've come from here, our industry has come a long way. Keep in mind that in 2000, U.S. beef sales in Japan had reached $1.8 billion, but it started to decline significantly due to BSE in Japan itself. And then as far as the pre-BSE 2003 or the cow that stole Christmas, Japan was our top export market, and it accounted for 36% of our total export sales, or about $1.3 billion. And then, unfortunately, we had uh, you know, probably one of the, the greatest and most significant uh, uh, painful incidents in our history with the classical BSE case and the cow that stole Christmas, as it's uh, commonly referred to. And we lost all access to the Japanese market. That was a, a major uh, blow to the gut for uh, for our industry, and it's taken us a long time to recover there. Uh, we were able to restore access, regain access in 2005. Uh, it was a partial access with an age restriction of 21 months, solely due to the concerns over BSE. Uh, in February 2013, we saw that age restriction lifted from 21 months to 30 months. That was a big shift for our industry because it really opened up a lot of our cattle supply for the Japanese market. And in about a year, we saw almost a half a billion dollar increase in sales just from seeing that age restriction lifted in 21 to 30 months. While some celebrate the news of Japan's trade deal with the U.S., Hong Kong canceled 36,000 metric tons of U.S. beef exports this morning, while Japan and South Korea only ordered 4,200 metric tons per country. Bacchus believes that Japan is a highlight, but broader trade across the Asian continent is the key. You don't want major swings like that, uh, simply because with trade, you want it to be as boring and predictable as possible, because that's when those terms of trade are the most secure and investments uh, will continue to grow. In Hong Kong, we have duty-free access. We, we don't have any, any major restrictions. So Hong Kong has been a major export market for us for many years. We'd like to see that continue to grow. I think there is a, a lot of opportunity in Japan, in Korea, but we, we can't only be invested in those two markets. We want to see the trade barriers, uh, the tariff and non-tariff trade barriers removed all over Southeast Asia because there's a tremendous opportunity for U.S. beef in those markets. That again, NCBA's Senior Director of International Trade, Kent Backus. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Grain markets today react to the USDA WASDE report. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. And with us, John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. And we'll let you summarize what you thought about the report. 
Well, I thought it was bullish for beans. I mean, that bottom line is, you know, if they're not going to adjust the harvested acres higher, um, you know, the cut in, y- in yield, and, and they don't have the demand to take away, just given the, the recent news in, from, from China this morning that they're going to be looking to buy more. not sure if it's going to happen or not, but 10 million metric tons is the number they're kicking around as, as far as additional buys. Uh, as, as far as corn and wheat, wheat's really following corn here, but, uh, you know, 360 probably argues a, a, a harvest delivery. So we got a long way to go to get there, but... I, I think, you know, you get to move back up into the 390s, you got to be, be looking to price it, especially stuff off the combine. I just don't think, you know, the story that we have from what's going on north of you guys is certainly bullish, and I'm not not discounting that at all. But I think the worry, worry I have really more is that it's going to take some time to figure out what what that is and how bad it is. And in the meantime, we're, we're, we're swimming in supply and demand is getting weak. Exports this morning were pathetic coming in, I think, you know, right around 10 million bushels. A year ago, we were around 440 million bushels. So, um, you know, pace is just continuing to be slow. Um, you know, gasoline prices, crude oil prices are weak. So I, I just don't think you want to be getting bullish on a seasonal rally at this time of the year. Now, once we get past October, things change quite a bit. Uh, March delivery, you know, I, I think you could see $4 again. But in the meantime here, I'm, I'm, my worry is really more that we're just we're just going to be dealing with the grain we have right now. Buyers are reluctant uh, to to really chase the board, and you know until we get really past early February, you're still going to have prices in South America cheaper than the U.S. So keep watching that KC wheat market. You saw that fall hard today. That that is down 11. If that doesn't rally, corn isn't going to rally. Are the fund are the funds still short corn, wheat, and soybeans? Uh, it's always tough to find, you know, discover these numbers midweek because the, the report last week showed significant buying, and I think we had some follow-through earlier this week. But I think they were probably long going into this report. They have quite a bit to sell if they want to go record short. But I don't know if that's the, the route they're going to take here. That's why I think tomorrow is so important. If you can get a, a kind of a bullish theme taking us into the weekend with these snowstorms, I think you can run back up to 390. I just think you got to, when there's fear in the air, you got to sell it. I hate to say it, it's that simple. Mm-hmm. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. Their website, danielsagmarketing.com. December corn did finish 14 lower today, settling at 380 and a quarter. November soybeans dragged down by that. They were down a quarter. And that'll do it for our midday program here on KRVN, brought to you by Devaney Motors. To hear today's midday program in its entirety, go to podcasts on krvn.com. Howdy, folks. This is Rick from Devaney Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and McCook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to DevaneyChryslerJeepDodge.com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Devaney deal.